Hello, I would like to start my next topic. My next topic is hating God in the midst of a crisis. Hating God in the midst of a crisis. I pulled this out because it was it was burning out in my heart and in the acknowledgement of what that I've been putting myself through. I put in hating God, but I don't sit up there and put out what exactly what I mean by that. But I'm putting in an explanation on why I'm saying it. The position of me hating God in the in the crisis that I'm in, because it burned in my heart, the heart of what I have been going through, the the hearting, the hatred, and the anger where. You wonder why isn't God doing what he's supposed to do? Is he doing what he needs to do? Do I trust him in doing what he's supposed to do? This is like, this is pulling out on my chest, and it was burning in my chest. A long time ago, I was young. Pretty much, I would say four or five years old. My mother left me and my brother in a basketball court, it was in the indoor um it was indoor basketball court and all I could do is cry cuz I didn't know where my mother was I didn't know these people who was around playing basketball I was scared I was frightened and the moment I realized I was uh what was going on I realized I was left anything could happen to me or my brother my brother didn't cry as much as I did but I cried so badly where I could easily just get sick. That's how bad I was crying. I could have cried when I was, um, I, I could have cried dying, but I was crying so badly, wondering where in the world was my mother for her just to leave me in a spot where I didn't know any of these people, didn't know what was going on, what was happening. I was frightened and scared. This was the crisis. That caused me to hate God. I did not know it was buried in my heart. I didn't understand that it was buried in my heart. But I look at the fact on what is going on. As I grew older, I had someone to explain to me. She thought it happened when I when things was going on in 2009. When in fact, the Lord showed her that it happened a long time ago that I hated him. That I was waiting on him and I did not get no answer. And so with that being said, I looked at the foot the fact on what has been going on, what is happening, what was buried in my chest. People don't want to tell the truth about how they feel about God. Their arrogance or their ignorance is showing too much of what they are anyway. Their actions speak louder than the words that's being spoken. But at the end of the day, you will see that people don't want to acknowledge that he exists. They don't care if he exists. The The ignorance is there. The arrogance is there. The pride is there. The anguish is there. Let's speak on that, on what I mean by that. As I look into Jeremiah chapter 17. Oh. 
Jeremiah chapter 17 speaks upon something that is very, um, it's not even imaginable, but it's there. As I read it in the Christian Standard Version, it says the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? Who can understand it? Who can understand that heart? Who can understand what's in that heart? Who can understand what's in their heart? Who can understand it? A lot of things are buried in the heart and nobody don't realize it. Pride is buried in the heart and nobody don't realize it. Anguish is buried in the heart and nobody realize it. I had I had not realized the things that was buried in my heart. I did not realize the things that was buried in my heart. It's hard for me to I I had a mention that I in my church that I don't understand love. I don't understand it. A lot of us don't understand it. We think we know what it is. We don't understand love. We don't understand what it is. We don't understand what we should do. We don't understand should we um should we embrace it. We don't understand that um is it clear? Do we do we understand is it pure? Do we understand that it's um it's compassionate? Do we understand that it's 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 from the heart? Do we understand love from the heart? When you look at the baby, do you understand that you got to love that child? Do you understand that you got to nourish? Do you got to take care of that child? A man would not understand it because a man don't pull, push a baby out unless they want to have a child for themselves. Look at the child's eyes. Look at the child grabbing the hand of the, um, grabbing the finger of the father. But the mother understands when she looks. Most mothers do. As I go back through on what I mean. When the Lord points out on what he hates. In Proverbs chapter 6 verse 16 through 19. It says the the Lord hates six things. In fact, seven are detectable to him. Or abominations to him. Arrogant eyes. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that plots wicked wicked schemes. Feet ain't eager to run to evil. A lying witness who gives false testimony. And one who stirs up trouble among brothers. When we look at these in the scripture. I wonder about worthless people. People are like that who have a lying tongue. Arrogant eyes. Even pride is in their life. Pride is in their heart. Heart to plan to plan wicked schemes, to plot wicked schemes. It's just terrible. And then you think you know so much. Then you think you is careful just to do. But let's look at the malicious man. A worthless person. A wicked man gives or goes around speaking dishonesty, winking his eyes, signaling with his feet, and gesturing with his fingers. He always plots evil with perversity. In his heart, he stirs up trouble. Therefore, calamity will strike him suddenly. He will be scattered instantly beyond recovery. As I said before, when we look at hatred in your heart, 
I had looked for hatred in my heart. The Bible also says a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. There's one side that wants to love them, and then there's another side that wants to hate them. The crisis that we're going through is hateful. It's hurtful. It's not even mindful for anybody, but you have wicked people among us. We're too busy looking at what is, why God doing this, why God doing that. But do we look at our heart? I sat up there and had to argue with the Lord. I had to argue with him, argue with him about some things that was in my heart. I was angry. I was being, I was being truthful for what I said. I even told him I hated him for not listening to me. I hated him for not listening to what I was saying. Hated him. Can you tell me what's going on? Why is this happening? Do you pour out on what is hateful? Do you sit up there and look at why is this happening? Do you look at hating? hating? It's not just hating other people, but hating him. We're not looking at hating other people. Why do you hate God? Why do you hate him? Do you hate the principles that he put out? Do you hate the fact that he made you in your in his image? Do you hate the fact on why is my child looking uh, looks like um the teeth is growing in their lips? Do you hate him for why is it that my child is born of cancer? Do you hate these things? Do you hate wise people dying every day? Do you hate the things that is happening and don't look at God about it? Do you hate it? Some people don't like to hate. Some people like to mourn about it. Some people mourn. Some people cry. Some people try to be peacemakers. Then you stand wondering what is wrong with you. Are you crazy? Do you see what's going on around us? Do you see what's happening around us? Do you see the anguish, the the wickedness that people are doing? Do you listen to or look at the uh the selfishness that has been happening? Do you look at the the position of things are coming and yet to come? Do you look at the the anger? Do you understand what is going on when it comes to love? Do you understand why does this have to happen to my child? Why is my child dying before me? Do you think about these things? Do a tragedy has to happen for you just to wake up? I cried day before yesterday because of the fact that I was wondering why I was so angry. The anger was building up so hard in my chest. Where I wanted to scream. Where I wanted to sit up there and say, why, Lord? You're wasting my time. You're not in time. I am. I'm not Abraham. I'm not Sarah. Sarah did not believe God because of the fact that the matter is she was 90, 89 years old, wondering how and where I'm going to have a child at this age. When me and my husband not even having sex as much. We're not looking at this. I didn't have no kid at 40. I didn't have no child at 35. I didn't have no kid. But look at what we're looking at. People sit up there and say, don't doubt God. 
But we don't sit up there and ask them what time. We don't ask them what day of the week. We don't ask them when, Lord. And I want an answer. His words say, command him. We too busy sitting up and saying, oh, well, okay, the Lord is, is in God's timing. You forget. He's not in time. We are. God is not in time. We are. We have days a week. We have 24 hours in a day. We are looking at what's going on every day. Every day is not promised to us. No day is promised. Not even a minute is promised. Not even a second is promised. Not even an hour is promised. You got to look at what is in your heart. The Lord said this when he was, when he told Samuel to go and anoint the next king of, um, of Israel. Because of the fact that the matter is Saul wanted to, um, Saul had disobeyed God. And when he went to, Je when he went to, um, Jesse's house, Samuel thought it was the eldest. Samuel thought it was the eldest child. He thought it was the eldest child. But the Lord said, I've already rejected him. Don't look at the outward appearance. Don't look at his outward appearance. His outward appearance has nothing to do with what I have to be accomplished. God, I even had to tell Samuel, when are you going to stop mourning for um, Saul? Because Samuel couldn't, couldn't have his own kids to be anointed. Just to be what they he supposed what they supposed to be. He could not give the anointing or the judgment or the mantle to his own sons because they act like the world. Act like the world. Could not give it to them. But he had to give it to somebody that was outside of his inheritance. He gave it to David. He had to teach David how to inquire to the Lord. Nowadays, we can inquire to the Lord. We don't have to go to no priest. We go to the priest. We go to the priest who can listen to us, who will carry our prayers to the Lord. I will be back in a moment. I'm back. And I had to look at another position on what I mean by when Samuel, before Samuel anointed David. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, it says on verse 4, Samuel did what the Lord directed and went to Bethlehem. When the elders of the town met him, they trembled and asked, Do you come in peace? In peace, he replied, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourself and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and said, Certainly the Lord's anointed one is here before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his statue, because I have rejected him. 
Man does not see what the Lord sees. For man sees what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. He looks at the heart. We don't think that God looks at the heart. We think that he looks at uh, the good works that we do. Some people have self-righteousness in their heart. By thinking if I do the work, it would be great. People don't even cry for a miracle. They go to a doctor and get partial of a healing. Mm. Partial of a healing. I had to ask the Lord to to pour out his heart to me. My My cry to him, pour out your heart to me. The Lord tests the heart. He touches the heart. And we don't talk about the heart so much because of the fact of the matter is, y'all think y'all works will help you out. But your heart is deceitful. It's anguished with hatred. I pull out when trusting God during the crisis. A lot of us don't trust God because we got fear. Don't you know the word says, if there's fear, there is no love? If there is fear, there is no love. There's no love. There is no love there. It's just fear. It's just fear. It's just fear. You, you got fear with you. Fear is shaking your hand. Fear is right there with you. Fear is not going to, um, is, is not your partner. That's who you made a covenant with. Fear. You may covenant with fear. You may covenant with anything you put yourself into. You may covenant with um, having sex constantly without being married. You uh, you uh, made a covenant with hating someone who deserved mercy. You um you uh, you made a covenant with uh with wanting to have somebody else's husband. You made a covenant with yourself doing it. I had made covenant with hate and I didn't even know it. I didn't even realize it. Lord, through this this through through these crises, through this crisis of 2020 all the way to 2021, it exposed some hearts. But the Lord said specifically that he will, he will judge the church first. He will not judge the people first. He won't judge the sinners first. He will judge the church. Are you looking at the fact on what he is doing? What he is about to do? What is he going to do? Are we trusting him? I had, the Lord had to tell me, will you trust me? Um, we looking at years. I've been looking at years of a prophecy. And I don't see what he's supposed to show me. My frustration is coming out of me. Let's look at Job chapter 23. Let's look at that. Let's look at Job chapter 23. When Job was being tested. He says this, then Job answered, today also my complaint is bitter. His hand is heavy. 
despite, despite my groaning. If only I knew how to find him so that I could go to his throne. I would plead my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would learn how he would answer me and understand what he said he would say to me. Would he prosecute me for, forcefully? No, he would certainly pay attention to me. Then an upright man could reason with him, and I would escape from my judge forever. I have been going through um, a judgment. I feel like I've been going through a judgment. I've been going through a judgment. See, the order for you is just to go higher. You got to go through a judgment. Elisha went through judgments. He went through assaults. Even after a miracle occurred, a judgment came back just to test him with his anger. Elijah went through it. He was having holy anger for people who disrespected God. That's why there was no rain for three and a half years. People are walking around trying to do what they can do and say, well, God is good. Explain to me what are you talking about? What do you mean he's good? Because you're still breathing? You can still breathe and taint the body that he gave you. You can still breathe and put poison in the body that he gave you. You can still call yourself loving as long as they love your terms. You can call yourself, oh, I got it right when the Lord said it's wrong. You want God to bless a mess when in fact you can curse it. He can curse it. Let me identify to you what I meant when he can curse it. Before when the fall hit, God said this to Adam. And this is in Genesis chapter 3. And I said, he said this clearly because nobody don't understand this. But I sat up there and saw it when I read it. And I'm going to say his creator's name. And Adonai said to Abraham, I mean to Adam, the first man, because you listened to your wife's voice and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. The ground is cursed. The ground is cursed. The ground has been cursed the moment the Lord judged him. God put his judgment right there on the ground. A lot of us, we are carrying these curses, but don't realize we're hating God in the process. We're hating him in the process of it. You're talking to a woman who knows know this because I was the one who was hating him and didn't even know it. So as I, I close out on this, and this is my first one to Lady 8, I would 
sit up there and look, tell you to look at your heart when it comes to hating God. Do you hate him? Confession is always good. It's good for the soul. It's also it's good for the heart. Because your heart may be beating, but it could be beating something that's nasty. It could be beating something that you gave room to. You could be beating something that will cut through your heart and don't want to come out. So I go by and by with this and initiate what I pull for. Because at the end of the day, you're going to have to realize, do I have love in my heart or do I have hatred in my heart? People claim that they love. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Hello, this is Chanel. And I'm back on for Covenant to Christ. Uh, this is a new standard for me and um i have came on just to let you know that this is a new era and this is a new topic that i am putting right on just for people to hear and it's called welcome to hell the point of this is just to understand some things that we need to understand and that is to know that hell is for real that lord the lord jesus is the one who saved our lives he brought us with a price. He brought us with the price of his own life. He was bruised. He was beaten. He was spit on. He was lashed. He was beaten. And the thing is, we don't understand this. And what we need to understand is this, that he paid the ultimate price that we all should have had, that we all should have gotten. We all should have um, gotten what he had what he had gotten. And that was the abuse that he had gotten before he was pinned to that cross. And as he was a slave to the cross, he became a slave to us, the slaughtered lamb that was that had paid the price and that the Lord himself had poured for us. And as you know, that in Isaiah chapter 53, and it states, Yet he himself bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by Yahweh and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquity. Punishment for our peace was on him and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquities of us all. If you notice that it was the iniquities, not just the sin, but the iniquities. Iniquities has been sentenced, has been sentenced on Jesus, has been brought on to Jesus, has been uh, has been pinned on Jesus, and the Lord had to turn and. Uh, Yahweh had to turn away from him when he seen this on him. As you look at it even further in Isaiah chapter 53, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter and like a sheep silent before her shearers. 
he did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of oppression and judgment and who considered his fate. For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of out of my people's rebellion. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, but he was with a rich man at his death because he had done no violence and had not spoken deceitfully. Yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely. When you make him a guilty offering, a guilt offering, he was a guilt offering to, uh, for us. He will see his seed. He will prolong his days. And by his hand, the Lord's pleasure will become accomplished. I present this right now as the welcome to hell because it's a lot of people who don't understand that hell exists. But the Lord has spoken and said these things and brought us to the will of what is happening. As I bring up to you about a woman, her name was Mary K. Baxter. She wrote a book a long time ago called A Divine Revelation of Hell. Time is Running Out was the subtitle. And she spoke about this because she went to hell for 30 days. There was no if, answer, but she left, She went to hell for 30 days. The Lord have her to see hell. Some of it, some of it she couldn't see. The Lord showed her straightforward. She couldn't see everything, but he showed her certain things that was not, that you wouldn't imagine. I went to hell three times. I was dragged to hell one time by a friend because of, of somebody who was a kin to her had killed himself. And that person killed himself. And when she drew, took me to hell, I was asleep and she sent me to hell with her. And come to find out, he was doing the same exact thing that he did. He took his life. By the way, when you make, commit suicide, you're going straight to hell. You're not, coming, you're not going to see the maker. You're going straight to hell because it's not your life. It's the Lord or it's Satan's life. One of them is going to take you out. And even if Satan does let you um, kill yourself, you're his. You're no longer the Lord's. When you do that, you are killing yourself. You are doing it for Satan. You're not doing it for the Lord. Do not sit up there and say that when you pray to the Lord and then all of a sudden say, take, my take me, Lord, and then all of a sudden you kill yourself, you're going straight to hell. You're not going with the Lord. You're going straight to hell. Child, anybody I don't care if you're 13 years old, you're going straight to hell. I'm sorry to say it, but it's the truth. You will go straight to hell. Now, I'm going to explain to you the first chapter of this book. In March 1976, while I was praying at home, I had a, vo a visit from the Lord Jesus Christ. I had been praying in the spirit for days when all at once I felt the very presence of God. His power and his glory filled the house. A bright, a bright light eliminated the room where I was praying, and a sweet and wonderful feeling came over me. Lights flowed in barrels, rolling and folding into one another and rolling over and out of each other. It was a spectacular sight. And then the voice of the Lord began to speak to me. He said, I am Jesus Christ, your Lord, 
and I wish to give you a revelation to prepare the saints for my return and to turn many to righteousness. The powers of darkness are real and my judgments are true. My child, I will take you into hell by my spirit and I will show you many things which I want the world to know. I will appear to you many times. I will take your spirit out of your body and will actually take you into hell. I want you to write a book and tell of the visions of the things I reveal to you. You and I will walk through hell together. Make a record of these things which were and are and are to come. My words are true, faithful and trustworthy. I am that I am and there is none beside me. Dear Lord, I cried out, what do you want me to do? My whole being wanted to cry out to Jesus to acknowledge his presence. The best I could describe is to say love came over me. It was the most beautiful, peaceful, joyful, powerful love I have ever felt. See, that's how Jesus was with us when it comes to his powerful love, his unconditional love. And that's how he works with us. God's praise began to flow from me all at once. I wanted to give him my whole life to be used by him to help save people from their sin. I knew by his spirit that it actually was Jesus, the son of God, who was there in the room with me. I cannot find words to ex express his divine presence, but I know that I know it with the Lord. Behold, my child, Jesus said, I am going to take you by my spirit into hell so that you may be able to make a record of the reality of it, to tell the whole earth that hell is real and to bring the lost out of darkness and into the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Instantly, my soul was taken out of my body. I went with Jesus up out of my room and into the sky. I knew all that was going on about me. I saw my husband and children asleep in our home below. It was as though I had died and my body was left behind on the bed. While my spirit was going with Jesus up through the top of the house, it seemed as though the whole roof was rolled back. And I could see, see my family asleep in their beds. I felt the touch of Jesus as he said, fear not, they will be safe. He knew my thoughts. Jesus do know our thoughts. He know our thoughts. Trust and believe. He did that with his Pharisees. He knew their thoughts when they said something that was negative. And their thoughts. Trust me, he even recognized when you saying something or thinking negative. I had to ask the Lord to forgive me of the certain things, the thoughts that I was having when I was at work. So I had to give those, I had to break, I had to tear down those strongholds that the enemy caused of throwing at me. In the name of Jesus, you're not welcome here in this thought. Helmet of salvation stands and sits on my head. Instantly, my soul was taken out of my body. I went with Jesus up out of my room and into the sky. I knew all that was going on about me. I saw my husband and children asleep in our home below. 
as she's going to the she's going to heaven she's letting the, the lord is letting her go out of her house that's what he's doing i will try to i try to the best of my ability to tell you step by step what i saw and felt some of the things i did not understand the lord jesus told me the meaning of most of them but some things he did not tell me I knew then and I know now that these things were really happening and only God could have shown them to me. Exactly what I am telling you about hell. Because when you finish reading this, you will understand that I was not joking about this, but this is what I'm going to speak out. And this is what I'm going to pull out. And this is what I'm going to present. Your possession, your position of what hell really is, is real. It's very, very real. It's no joke about it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This place is real. I believe this woman. I know I believe this woman because Jesus has spoke his word about this place. Jesus spoke about hell. He even talked about the separations of goats and sheep. He said it in his word. He talks about this stuff. So just to let you know, hell is for real, just as well as heaven is for real. Ask yourself, which way do you want to go? Peace be with you. Amen.